This podcast is brought to you by Michael Dunlap, your modern woodman representative in Houston. Shouldn't financial advice focus on you? Michael Dunlap can help you plan for your financial future, from protection to saving to retirement. Call Michael Dunlap, your modern woodman representative in Houston at 281-794-6873 to start the conversation. Once again, call Michael Dunlap, your modern woodman representative in Houston at 281-794-6873 to start the conversation. This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review speaking with Jay Cross, head coach at the university. Well, I need to be clear on that and make sure I get your title correct if it's just head coach at the University of St. Thomas women's basketball. Is that your only title or do you have more duties involved at St. Thomas? <laughs> uh, well, here at the University of St. Thomas, it is uh, it pretty much encompasses everything that we do. So uh, I could be head coach and I could be marketing director and sports information director. So I've got all the things to put on my resume right now. <laughs> How are you? I am doing great. Um, ready for another season. We just basically started this week for our practices and um, our NAIA schedule and is a little different than NCAA, but this is my third year in here now, so I've kind of gotten used to the the changes and the differences. And uh, but it's it's been a good a good time right now. How much of a learning curve was it? Is it for you to adjust from NCAA to NAIA? Uh, I think the learning curve, and I know that I spoke to you when I first got the position here and that question that's always asked when you get a first head coaching job of um, how different is it moving 18 inches across, um, Mm -hmm. it it has been, it's been a a great learning curve and being able to try and uh, uh, enforce and embrace it, um, but enforce the things that I want to see in in my team. and the learning curve, I think, has been so much of trying to reflect on the things that I need to do to make us a little bit better. Um, you know, as much as we like to and rely on our student athletes to go out there and win us games, we're the ones who are essentially teaching them what we want them to do and how we want them to do it. So reflecting a little bit on that over the last couple of years, uh, I, the learning curve has been big. Um, going from being an assistant coach at Rice to now being the head coach here. And last year I had seven seniors, and that was a challenge in itself, um, having a lot of lot of players that had a lot of opinions who wanted to obviously win because it's their last year and, and do all those things and trying to navigate and help them understand um, the big picture and getting what we needed to to get, that was probably my biggest learning curve, especially having seven seniors. So, uh, and I'm still learning every single day because there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And like I said, uh, I do do a lot here. So I guess learning how to prioritize in my position right now is the biggest thing and still, and still learning that every day because it's something different every day. Um, but I'm sure I will continue to to grow and learn. And uh, this year with recruiting, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but this year with the recruiting, just trying to get in some players that I think is going to help us and and compete every day. Do you have a coaching staff or is this a, you're the, you're everybody. 
I, I um, actually have been everybody uh, to a certain extent. I had a volunteer assistant uh, the last two years, and he uh, has going, he's going to play overseas professionally, and he was a graduate here from the University of St. Thomas, um, uh, Kevin Williams, and he helped a lot with the on-court stuff and in-game situations, and so um, he was there for practices and he was there for games, and it was good to have another set of eyes that was able to help during practices and kind of see some things and sit down and talk to a little bit. Um, and then this year I actually do have two, three volunteer assistants, um, which pretty much make three times a week. So consistency is huge in this position because you want the, you, you want your athletes, student athletes to be able to know that they're going to have some help and know when that help is going to be there. So they, they come pretty much three times a week and, um, they're two guys from up in uh, the north area of, da- uh, of Houston that come on down uh, for our practices. And Eric Belt and Josh Burkett are their names. And then we have one who actually uh, played a little, and they both played basketball. Eric played at HBU. Um, so I, I have some experience. They They have a little bit of experience to help me with the skill development stuff because they actually do that for AAU as well and um, for the two for two gyms that they work at. So uh, slowly and surely getting there and always trying to um, help people. They want to get into collegiate athletics and, you know, helping people for me is probably the biggest thing right now and trying to help them get stuff on their resumes and network and people that I know and get them in contact so that they can kind of grow themselves. So, um, and then the third one is his name is Charles Kennedy and he is, uh, he used to be with Nike as a Nike rep and he works here at the university of St. Thomas now. And he came and kind of visited with me and he helped a little bit last year, but this year he's taken on a little bit uh, bigger role. So, um, I'm slowly, like I said, slowly but surely getting there with a, with some assistance and more eyes and more voices to kind of help me bounce things off of, which I think as a head coach is really important to be able to listen to other people and see if there's anything different that needs to be done. So, again, that's part of my learning and part of my experience, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. As you mentioned, this season will be your third season at St. Thomas. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, how, well, what year of basketball for women's basketball is this, will this be at St. Thomas? Fourth year, third year, where is it, how long has it been at St. Thomas? This will be my, this will be my third year, going into my third year. So I started in 15-16, and then obviously last year was 16-17, and this will be my third year going into um, the program. But did you build a program, or was there already, like a year, but already before you got there? That, well, it had already been around for four years before I got here. Um, so it was still very young and it was still, uh, the recruiting had kind of already been done. And like I said, last year I had seven seniors and they all graduated this year and it kind of left me. So the classes were a little uneven. Um, I, I've done what I can to kind of even those up a little bit. And we only have, and this year we're young and it's basically a development year. Uh, per se, uh, I'm, I'm not going to let just because we're young be an excuse for us to fall back on. Um, I feel like the four freshmen that I have uh, can do a good job for us. And then we have five sophomores and two juniors and one senior. So um, 
leadership. I've got three transfers that have come in, and one of them is a junior, and she's. I, I think she's going to step up and be a good leader for us. And then um, the returners that I have, I have four returners. So I have two of them, which from last year played significant minutes and did did a good job. And then I have another two that um, that of my returners who kind of been around me and understand me and should be able to help with the locker room and making sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and getting everybody kind of in the same on the same page. So. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at right now. And, you know, third year, like I said, I don't want to call it a rebuilding year, but we are very young. What are some of the differences between NAIA and NCAA in terms of basketball, scholarships, mm-hmm. recruiting, et cetera? There are, I mean, there's some NAIAs that, uh, and obviously you've seen some that are probably going up to Division Three or Division Two. Uh, they have some funding um, in some of the NAIA schools. I think the biggest difference is definitely scholarships. Um, uh, I believe our limit right now is seven. We're trying to, sorry, nine, and I think we're trying to limit it even more than that um, for every team. And the recruiting side, I mean, just being able to talk to anybody at any time, being able to go to any games at any time or any tournaments. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And I, I understand um, the thought behind it. You know, we don't have, but then you look at everything and it's really budget related at, at most of these schools. And especially here, uh, still being kind of young, we don't have the full backing and full support. I shouldn't say support, but full scholarships to be able to even offer let alone be able to go and do all of that traveling and all of the go to all of the tournaments and um, pay for those books and all of those wonderful things. It's very hard to be able to do um, to get that information sometimes. So, you know, it's, it's using resources and people that you know and networking and um, high school coaches are really pretty good at, at getting kids in front of you. So it's just, um, that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, basketball is basketball, no matter where you are, no matter what level you're at. Uh, obviously, the type of athletes you get uh, are not, you know, if we're getting Division One athletes here, it's it's either because they've transferred or unfortunately haven't been able to stay eligible where they were or um, those things, which have benefited, I know, the guys' side a lot. Um on the women's side, I think there's been a few of those, but not as many. And it's just one of those things where, um, you know, it's all relative where you are and just getting players that still want to play and compete and want to do the right things is, is what we kind of are about. So, yeah. How, saying that, you know, budget limitations, what is a usual recruiting period for you do you leave the greater houston area at all or how, how, do, how do you go about recruiting players for your program the first well the first couple of years um or first couple of summers i should say um i still went to the bigger tournaments you know the ones that were in dallas um run by joey simmons and even some of the ones that have been run here um by Houston Elite in Houston. And it's kind of one of those things where I've used 
basically going to Dallas, you, I use 75% of my recruiting bu- budget just in that trip. So, and I haven't really gotten a lot of kids from that. And it has been a lot of the kids that I have now have been Houston based kids. Um, even though I say, I, I say that, and I actually have two that came to my elite camp um, and that I saw one of them, I saw at a tournament that, you know, we kind of connected and she's coming in. They're both, both from the Dallas area. So having said that, I, I've kind of had to, and that's probably one of the learning curve things that I've had to do a lot of. Um, and this summer I didn't go out as much as far as to those tournaments. And I went to the small tournaments here in Houston and speaking to high school coaches, trying to get out a little bit um, to the high schools a little bit more so um, that are a little bit easier and quicker to get to. And obviously not chomping the bits at, at the budget that we have. So um, I would say right now the recruiting has kind of come down to basically Houston area kids, even though when I do do my camps, I have people from San Antonio and Austin and, you know, that Bermuda Triangle that we like to call here in Houston um, and Dallas. We have all of those surrounding areas. They, I've had them come to my camps. Um, sometimes it's just difficult because you're not getting a full scholarship and you're not doing those kind of we're not able to give those kind of things. We don't have. We have a summer school program, but it's really only for incoming freshmen. Um, so there's a lot of different things that people who are at this level tend to stay closer to home if, if they're not getting a full scholarship. So recruiting-wise, I've been able to do what I can, um, and I know that I have sent letters and stuff to high school coaches, and I try to go to some of those those um, local playoff games to be able to see and uh but yeah that's pretty much what our recruit my recruiting area is and it's come down to basically the houston-based area so that we can and you know as well as i do there's so many houston-based kids that can play here anyways so if you're able to give them an opportunity to stay home and have their family be able to see them and they're still getting a great education here from the university of st thomas it's something that you that I've been able to um, offer some kids. And which leads me to what, what do you, what is the conversation like to uh, a student athlete as well as their parents to get them Mm -hmm. first to consider the university of St. Thomas and playing for you on the NAI level, you know, naturally, well, I'm assuming Mm -hmm. some parents think, or or the kid really that, they're better than NAIA. So why should even listen to you, Coach Cross? You know, you're wasting my time. So how do you get across, overcome that? Well, usually usually if it comes down to um, when they come for a visit or uh, we've already had like a little conversation on the phone or something about it first. Um, and those conversations, once we kind of determine and it's it's kind of a catch-22, right, especially as you coach. You want to try and get the best possible players that you can, and you don't want to undersell anyone. For me, I think it's really about honesty, um, and I'm pretty honest with a lot of these kids. If they've got the opportunity to go to a Division One, Division Two, or Division Three, I'm like, you just got to take it. It doesn't matter what kind of happens, even when we're having these conversations early, if they've shown interest in me just because they've liked 
um, my camp or they like the game that they were invited to, or they like the fact that I, I do communicate with them. And, um, I always tell them at the end of the day, if a better offer comes, you probably should take it. Um, now, does that mean that I probably cut my legs off? Probably a little. Uh, but there's sometimes I know that that, that student athlete may not get that opportunity and just being honest enough with them to give them that, um, I guess that pressure release. Cause usually, you know, division one, you've, you've been around it a little bit and spoken to many coaches. Some of them have hard deadlines, uh, here at the, at the university of St. Thomas and NAIA level, I actually signed one as, as much as two weeks. I think it was three weeks before school started. So we don't have those hard deadlines. Um, and I know there are still kids out there that are probably looking late that we could get um, if they haven't had those opportunities. But once they get to campus, um, once they've kind of determined that this is something that they're seriously looking at, it's getting them on campus, letting them have a look. Uh, I'm still kind of old-fashioned in that way, and I've been taught that way by the mentors that I've had. You can't be one of the numbers anymore. There's so many transfers that happens. There's so much that happens right now. They don't have the opportunity or they don't do their homework and their research. And I go through all of this with them. Um, but getting them on campus is the main thing because once you get them on campus, they have a feel immediately as we do with everything. You know, when you meet face to face for the first time or do things, you have a, a feeling immediately, whether this is somewhere where you can be or someone you can't, can't be. Um, or whether you like what's going on here, or the size of it, especially we're we're very small. We're under three thousand student uh, under three thousand students here, um, and we only have about one hundred fifteen student athletes. So uh, it's kind of one of those things they need to be able to feel that and see that. And obviously, meeting uh, team members, coming and meeting me face to face sometimes if it's only been on the phone. Um, and then meeting different people that they may be associated with while they're here, I think is still important. Now, we don't have the budget to do official visit kind of stuff. It's kind of like an invite only, come and see the campus, um, come and see. I have had people just drop in because they've seen the school, they've read about it, and they want to just have a conversation with me, and that's when I'll have that preliminary conversation of, well, what is it that you're really looking for? And then from there, we kind of take it. But... Um, my conversation is, is basically the same. I mean, if you want to compete, if you want to play, especially for me, it's, it's not like this is just going to be an extension of high school. This is still college basketball. I still want to win. I still want to have players that are wanting to play basketball, uh, that are wanting to compete every day, that are willing to do it the right way. Um, and, you know, usually by the end of that, they have a, they have a sense of, what it is to be here. And I, I give them, you know, after that, we pretty much just sit and um, talk a little bit about everything else. And um, once they leave, it's they'll communicate back and they'll communicate to follow up. And some of them have been able to keep that communication up and I've been able to do that. So um, I don't think it's any different. It's just obviously more challenging without the stuff that we can offer. <laughs> Are there, or what are the academic requirements in terms of GPA, SAT, ACT, et cetera? Well, as far as admissions is concerned, getting people here at University of St. Thomas, um, they have the free 
online application. Um, so you're able to go in at any time to be able to do that. And then they ask for transcripts, they ask for test scores, all of those things to try and get the pre preliminary admission stuff done. Um, to get, because what we kind of rely on, and I didn't mention this before, what we do rely on is trying to get students that do have good academics because we have great academic um, scholarship money. So if they were to be um, basically the top in their class and most probably have a 3.5 or higher, if not 3.8 and higher, um, with at least a, a 1,200 SAT, um, they're looking at getting, and it could change. It's kind of been, it's fluctuated here and there um, over the last few years. Not while I've been here, but before I saw that it's kind of has increased and kind of um, the, the money has increased. But right now it's at $17,000 that you would get. Um, we're a private school, so unfortunately our tuition is a little high, but some of that just has to do with um, obviously being a private school, being a Christian school, and being able to um, basically fund what we have here. So um, they, would, they would get 17000 I think the, less, the, the least that you can get is um, $8,000, an academic scholarship money, and then obviously you have outside scholarships that you can apply for and that they will take here to be able to help with some of that. Um, unfortunately, my program and a lot of our athletics program here only has one full scholarship right now. We definitely lobby every day to try and get that up. Um, and our athletics director, even when he hired me, he said, I know there's there's two things that you're going to want, and that's going to be a budget increase and more scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> so he told me right from the beginning, and, you know, we kind of, every every now and then, it's okay. So when are we going to get the budget increase and the scholarship increase? And he laughs. And, but it's it's kind of one of those things that we have in motion. We now have a new president here at the University of St. Thomas, um, Dr. Ludwig, and he seems to right now um, love athletics and he's been to volleyball games. His daughter played volleyball. He said that, and he's from in Indiana, so he's been around basketball as well, said that he loves basketball. So I believe that, um, and I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but I believe that there'll be pushes in place to be able to upgrade somewhere. Um, wherever it may be, and, you know, whether it's facilities, whether it is scholarships, whether it's something else, um, I think that we are moving in the right direction, um, which is always a good thing. On the basketball court, how are you the person? Do you do the scout work for opponents? Who does that? <clears throat> yes, that is me. <laughs> so you put the game plan together. The <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, all that stuff, all that's on your plate, and as well yeah. as websites, maintaining. Wow. <clears throat> yes, sir. Um, and we have some, our volleyball coach who's in season right now, you know, we try to help each other out as much as possible here in the athletic department. So she is officially our SID um, for the whole athletics department. She does a lot of the splash page stuff, and, you know, she's in season, and that's difficult to do as well. So as our individual programs, we try to do as much as we can and we've been taught how to do our websites and get our rosters up and get our pictures up and do our, um, and I apologize. I know not many people probably read our webpage and all of our stuff, but I'm the one who do the, uh, who does the, um, 
reviews of our games as well. So any grammatical errors, I'm Australian, just forgive me, please. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I write all of our stories, everything that we do, um, that's all me as well. So right now with the volunteer assistants that I have, they're helping me on the court and they will slowly take over some of those things um, as I start teaching them because they really just started with me uh, three weeks ago. Um, so just before Harvey, actually. Um, so it was just one of those things where now we're on the court, we're doing what we can. And then as we kind of progress, I'll, I'll try to get some of that off of my plate. Um, the scouting stuff, I did that all the time. I love it. I love doing it. And I obviously want to be able to know and see what's going on. Um, I had coach Williams last year do a couple of games for me. Um, but even as head coaches, even though you have an assistant coach do your stuff for you, you're always watching those games. You're always having a look at, at different things that can happen and um, the game plan that you want to put forward. And um, so I, I, I had a good mentor in being able to do that and not just rely on other people doing your stuff. So I was already in the mode to do all of that. Um, it, it's kind of just been... A continuation from there, I guess. Listeners, let me shift gears and take a moment and ask you a question. Shouldn't financial advice focus on you? Michael Dunlap can help you plan for your financial future, from life insurance to annuities and more. Call Michael Dunlap, your modern Woodman representative in Houston. Call 281-794-6873 to start the conversation. Once again, call Michael Dunlap, your modern Woodman representative at 281-794-6873 to start the conversation. Coach, with, with all this on your plate and you have a family, how, how, do you, how much do you sleep? How do you get all this done? <clears throat> <laughs> um, well, I guess you just live it. You learn to live it. Um, during the summer is when we get, at least I do, I know some other coaches are really doing a lot of recruiting, and that's where I guess it's different for NAIA. You know, the July period, I'm not out all July period like a lot of the NCAA coaches are. So I get some rest during there. I'll go to one or two, uh, this year at least, I went to one or two small Houston ones. Um, I went to two, actually, small Houston ones. I was able to see local kids. I was able to speak to to local people and, and contacts that I have here and just let people know that I'm here and um, do that. So I actually got some family time and rest when a lot of other coaches were out there working very, very hard. Um, during the season, a little bit more difficult, uh, but I guess that's one of those things where you're blessed when you're a head coach because you get to set the schedule. So, you know, around the classes and around everything that um, I do for my student athletes here, it's, we pretty much practice in the middle of the day, which is wonderful for me because I'm able to be there in the morning when my kids wake up. I'm able to take one of them to school. Um, I'm able to pick them, pick one of them up from after school. And I don't get to do a lot of the after school activities with them, but um, I feel like I'm still there enough for them to, to know I'm there. <laughs> so their family and the family life is my husband is very supportive. He was in it. He knows what it's like. Um, you know, I, I think at any given point in time, we do all get tired of it sometimes of, of doing things, but 
our our downtime and our summertime pretty makes up makes up for a lot of that. And uh, it it is a difficult thing. I still do get to sleep <laughs> uh, during the season. It's probably only about three or four hours sometimes when I'm up watching film and doing scouts and having to do back to back stuff and. Um, you seem a little weary, but like I said, you learn to live it and learn to love it. And that's what, that's what I kind of do. So, but right now I'm getting about eight hours sleep. So that's good. How old are your kids now? Well, I have one, um, actually attending <coughs> Texas State University as a freshman. Really? So, wow. Yes. I feel old. She's 19. Wow. I, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so do I. Um, so she turns 19 in a week, actually. So on the 27th, she'll be 19 and at Texas State. And that, I tell you what, and we can have a conversation about this later, but being the parent of somebody going to school now, and she's not playing basketball, but of somebody going to college is a lot different than accepting kids that are coming to play for you <laughs> and you take responsibility for. <laughs> um, but she is 19, and then I have a 14-year-old and an 8- and a 6-year-old, and they are all girls. So God bless my husband. Indeed, yes. yes. They are all girls. <laughs> yes, Tom, is a, he's a patient man. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is. In terms of you guys, uh, St. Thomas participates as a member of the, the Red River Athletic Conference. Yes. How many games are in conference? You know, then I guess how many are non-conference? Well, we have um, – we can play up to 32 games. Um, I think that's a lot. With the years that I've been here, we've played 26 and 28 um, and we're playing 28, I believe, again this year. So, um, and that's not including postseason. I mean, we went to postseason and only played one game last year in postseason because they only take the top six at the Red River Conference to go in. So, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be in the top six both times and go and play in the first round. We just haven't got that first round win yet. So, looking to do that. I'm not looking to fall out of that top six. Like I said, even though we're young. Um, I want to be able to still continue and push and make sure that we're doing what we need to do to stay there. Uh, but we have 18 conference games. Uh, Paul Quinn is kind of in our conference, but mm, counted as non-conference games. Um, so we're kind of, we play them during our conference time. But we have 18 um, games. And then this year, like I said, I'm actually at 29 games, I think it is. Yeah, 29, not 28. So I'm at 29 games this year. So just a little bit more, but um, very similar, I guess, to the lower Division One schools in the NCAA to where I'm actually playing two Division One teams this year, and that's obviously to help with a little bit of our budget and um, go and give our girls an experience of what it's really like and see them compete against Division One athletes. Um, because they all have some, you know, the, we have, looking at my roster, I have 12 this year. Out of those 12, um, I probably have one or two that could be at the end of the Division One team. And, you know, that's that's kind of one of those things where they compete every day, they come in and they work hard. And not saying that the others can't, just right now at the level that they're at, they could. So 
just having giving them an opportunity to do that is great and obviously helping us with our budget a little bit um, and raising a little bit of money that we kind of kind of like to have to do our travel and to give them some extra stuff for equipment wise and stuff like that make them feel special can I assume that road games you reach by bus all of them well, if we have, if you know of anybody that has flying buses, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like them to create them really quickly. <laughs> but yes, we do. Um, and our furthest trip, and, and I know you probably have looked at this, but in the Red River Conference, it's, it's basically our furthest trip. And we go to the University of Southwest, which is in Hobbs, New Mexico. It's about a 10-hour bus ride, and then with stops and stuff like that, it ends up being about 11 or 12. So that's our longest trip, and but that's part of the fun of being on a team sometimes is you can utilize those times to be able to um, bond and, you know, do those because on the bus there's a lot of things that happen back there with card games and um, all of the games that they do. So then obviously watching movies that you've probably seen 20 times before, but we still watch it again. So, yeah, it's all fun. Clearly, to me, you seem to enjoy what you're doing. You enjoy the challenge of it. How long do you envision being well working at St. Thomas? Do you want to rise up the the ranks and end up at Division One or WNBA or whatever? I have been asked that question. Um... Time and time again, and obviously, especially recruits do their job still, and even at the NAI level, they do their job, and that is one of the questions that they ask because, you know, every recruit, if they do start liking the coach, they want to make sure that they're going to stay around. Um, Family is very important to me, and obviously, as I mentioned before, I have four girls, three of which that are still two in elementary school and one about to be in high school next year. So it's one of those things where right now family takes precedent. And I, I, like you said, I do love what I do. I love giving back to these kids. I love being here. Um, our athletic director is wonderful. The people that I work around is wonderful. Um, so it's one of those things where, and I don't want to say, I'm not content because every day I push myself. Every day I compete to get better. Every day I still have that competitive nature within me. Um, So it's one of those things where I feel like I find the challenges that I need right now to stay where I am and and not be um, complacent and, and just go through the motions because I think being a good coach, you need to be able to challenge yourself and be be able to do those things um, to keep you on top of your game. Now, having to do a lot that I've had to do has probably helped me with um, also, I guess, being at this level, um, competing every day because there's so much that you need to make sure that you are organized to do. And um, I just don't know yet what my future holds. I don't plan on leaving here. Um you know, unless something happens with the family where that, that happens, that would probably be the only reason right now. Uh, or if it was just a position that was too good to pass up. 
Um, and it's just one of those one of those things where I haven't put myself out there yet to do that. I don't think I'm ready to do that. There's still a lot that I need to learn, and um, and my family still, like I said, takes precedence. So uh, sometimes at the Division One level, and there's many of them out there who do a great job of it. But uh, being a uh, being a parent, and not just a, a female athlete, a female coach, but being a parent and still having their family and being at the Division One level. But they do a great job and they're able to do it. Um, I just don't know if it's conducive to what I need to do right now. So that was really a long answer that's, to your question. That's quite all right. <laughs> Are you active on social media? Yes, I am. I uh, coach at a uh, Twitter handle is at Coach Class 6. The number six? And I do a Yes, the number six. And I do a lot of stuff on there um, for our program and, and for what I do. Do you, uh, do you and then, follow your yeah, players? Are they on Twitter too? Yes. Yes, my players are on Twitter as well. Do I guess my question is, have you, uh, in players that you're recruiting, has any tweet turned you off and away from a recruit? Ah, social media recruiting. <laughs> um, there have been some that, uh, and I, I actually I wouldn't even say they've been recruits that I know or that I have been recruiting. No, I, I, I should say that it hasn't. Um, I do have an Instagram as well, which, I don't that I don't follow very often. Um, past players, there have been a couple that I've had to have conversations with. Yes, like my players um, on what they need to be careful of, and I think everybody has kind of gone down those road, be, that road of be careful what you post, be careful of what you do, um, because it does it does affect people's people's minds, and especially coaches when you're trying to build and maintain culture within your program and within your department. Uh, it's one of those things. If you see something where, and it's an interesting conversation really when you think about it, because sometimes they just do it to try to be cool, right? It's not who they really are. Um, at least that's what I've kind of noticed, especially having all the kids that I have just personally have and seeing them want to be a part of that population, a part of that, I have this many followers, I'm doing this. Um, and it's kind of one of those those things where you need to sometimes have conversations with the recruits, I think. I think sometimes we as coaches are too quick to turn them off um, without understanding who they really are first and why they really did what they did. Um, but it does affect uh, a lot of things. And the conversations I've had with my players – have been in relation to who are you representing? Because some of the stuff that you put out here doesn't re represent who you are personally and doesn't definitely does not re represent what we as a university and as a program are trying to portray. So they just have to be mindful. And I'm sure you've heard that time and time again. Different coaches have, you know, different thoughts on it. So that's why I try to mm -hmm. get uh, different perspectives on it. 
we're almost finished. This has been great. Um, how do you, are you still in basketball shape? Oh, I'm round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, do you still get involved in practice? Are you active in practice? Yes. Yes. I am active in practice. Um, uh, last year, unfortunately, I wasn't as active. I actually snapped my Achilles when I was playing with them one day. Mm. So, um, yes. So I guess I wasn't in practice. I wasn't in shape then. Um, or I'm just old, whichever one you want to, whichever one you want to <laughs> surmise to, that's okay. Um, but no, I still get in and I still demonstrate and I still have them do things and I'm kind of, I'm over my Achilles stuff now and I just push through as much as I can. But uh, I do believe in being involved and showing them how to do things and, um, that, you know, letting them know that you still have a little bit, I, I guess for me, uh, especially with my playing background and everything that they respect me because of that. But I think I gain even more respect when I get in there and I show them how it's done. Or, you know, I know I did have some players last year when they graduated, they came up to my office and they were like, well, coach, the only thing that we didn't like is that you would get out there and do it better than us. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's good. I like to hear that because that's what I was trying to, that's what you need to get to. That's what you needed to get to. So, um, I'm I'm still pretty active. I'm still I'm still involved. I still work out down here in the gym a little bit here and there, but probably not as much as I should. But don't tell anybody that. And this question is almost to your playing career. I mean, you've had a pretty successful playing career. You know, the national team in Australia. So when you were playing for the national team, mm -hmm. did you envision yourself being a coach, a head coach, period, first of yeah. all, but then with someone having all this on her plate as coach, webmaster, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess when I was over in Australia, um, I definitely did. I, I thought that I was always going to be a coach when I was playing and even just being and being a point guard. I think sometimes that mentality and growing up in the era that I grew up in, um, you know, the point guard was always a coach on the floor kind of thing. And just knowing the game and speaking to different coaches and them all telling me you're going to make a great coach kind of thing. I think that had I had that mentality already uh, to do it. And I'm glad that I get to do something that hey, I love. I mean, it's a passion of mine. There's not many people out there that get to do that. Um, so I'm one of the very fortunate and lucky ones that get to continue to live their passion and do what they love to do. So, yeah, I have um, always known that I'd be a coach. I didn't think I'd do it to this extent. But um, it is it is one of those things that unless you – embrace where you are and what you do at that moment. It's like I tell my kids all the time, you have to be where your feet are. If you're not where your feet are and your head's always somewhere else and it's worried about this and it's worried, you're not going to get what you want out of what you're doing. So I guess I'm where my feet are right now and I embrace it and I get it done and I love it. And if um, life takes me in a different direction at another time, then I'll embrace it then. But at this point, I still enjoy the challenge. I still love being here. I love giving to the kids. Um, I love trying to be a mentor 
um, rather than just a coach. And, you know, sometimes there are days I'm a counselor as well up here with these kids and um, I'm helping them through a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I always knew that I'd do it. And I'm going to age myself and you. Oh, no, 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 no. How, when did you play professionally in the WNBA? Oh, why would you do that to me? <laughs> <laughs> My first year was in 2001. So, um, and my last year was in 2006. So it's been a little while now, you know. Do you still f keep up with the WNBA? I do. I've been watching um, the playoffs right now and, and seeing what's going on over there. Um, I think it's kind of one of those things, though, where it is a family business for me still, even though uh, I played in it and I still know some of the players that were there. Um, and I know this is kind of name dropping, but when Diana Taurasi was a freshman, I was on her team. I was on the Phoenix team when she was um, there. So I, I got to play with one of the best in the world and against a lot of the best in the world. I mean, I got to play against Cheryl Swoops and Tina Charles and you know, all of those. Uh, Tina Thompson, sorry, not Tina Charles. Um, and all of those wonderful players that have kind of made great careers out of themselves. But um, with my husband being in the business as well, we, <laughs> we watch it every now and then. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on the WNBA finals matchup between Minnesota and Los Angeles? Well, I mean, that's a tough one, right? They've kind of been back and forth with each other over the over the years already and then with the new playoff um schedule that they've had these last two years it's interesting to see what's what's kind of going on so i mean it's that's a tough one you know los angeles i know candace parker has a lot to prove i know she's out there and she's been doing it and she's been loving life and um she continues to to live up to her name but sylvia Fowles, you know WNBA MVP, she's making it work down there. So um, it'll be it'll be an interesting, interesting uh, matchup, I think. And I'm not going to give any predictions. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. How how has the WNBA grown, expanded since you played, or has it grown enough, in your opinion, since you played? Hmm. Now you're putting me in the spot, aren't you? I try. Um, I know, I know. Um, it's an inch. That's as much as you want to be diplomatic. I, I guess there's some ways that you can and you can't. Um, I read something that Maya Moore wrote to the end of was it last year. It's been you know, it was last season that she wrote it, um, and it was in regards to how the WNBA does not have the following as they had in UConn. So basically um, the fan base was not as big as it needed to be and playing in front of empty crowd, basically empty gyms. And I shouldn't say empty, but for what she was used to. Um, and that's, I don't think it's grown enough. Uh, I think that there are some great players that play it. And I understand that, um, believe me, I, didn't grow up here, don't understand everything go that goes on here, but knowing football the way it is and having to compete against football, having to compete against um, the American, the, uh, the other American male games, it's difficult. 
it's difficult to be able to get um, that following. Uh, I don't have a solution for it. I don't have any kind of suggestions for it. It's just, it's an unfortunate thing. But again, I think you just need to embrace it. I mean, I loved playing in the WNBA. I, I loved being able to play against the best in the world and being able to to travel and go to different cities and um, compete every day. And that's what you grow up to do. And I think that's what a lot of these players want to do. Um, I think sometimes you get lost in the business of it. And it, that, that passion to play becomes more passion to get paid. And I don't think that's the way it should be. Um, but the WNBA needs to find a way to, to grow it a little bit more and, and, and make it to where these players, like my more said, feel special, feel like they're, they're doing something that people enjoy. So that's my two cents on it. Thank you for that. And <laughs> to, to conclude, to wrap it up, why should someone come play for you at the University of St. Thomas? I think they would still no. I know they would still get the same coaching that they would get at a Division One level. Um, you may not get all of the bells and whistles, but you get to compete every day. You get to, and especially at this level, um, you get to become part of a legacy, part of a with how young we are right now, um, part of that system to where you can say you really accomplished something. Sometimes it's one of those things where the, you recruit players that want to be here um, because they want to play and they don't want to sit on the end of the bench. They don't want to be, um, they want to do something um, and have, have that sense of accomplishment. So to come and play for me, uh, I, you would still get the same coaching style that you would get at a Division One level. You would still get the same practices you would get at the Division Division One level, and you would get to compete every single day um, for a position and for a championship in a ring here at the NAIA level. And I think if people are competitors, they would still want to do something like that. So that's why you should come and play for me. Coach Jay Cross, thank you very much for your time and. I am going to do, put forth an effort. I'm not going to promise, but I'm going to put forth more <laughs> of an effort to see the team this season. Okay. That would be great. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. It's, we've known each other for a long time. I won't age us any more than I already have. So, but I really appreciate you taking time for the interview. No, I appreciate it too. Thank you very much. And if you haven't heard of us, come down here to the University of St. Thomas at Jarabak Gym and uh, come and watch us play this season. Our schedule will be up within the next month, I mean, within the next two weeks. And uh, we'll be um, looking forward to seeing new faces. Thank you again. You take care.